This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Today on the show, we are talking with Kylie Macbeth, who is the co-founder of a digital wellness company, Zura Health. She's also a certified holistic health coach, the co-host of the Zura Health podcast, a speaker, and one of the most beautiful writers out there. Her Instagram page is on fire when it comes to sharing wisdom in ways that we can all relate to it. She is a multi-passionate, creative being whose mission on this planet is to empower women and men with the tools, support, wisdom, and resources they need to live a happy, healthy, and fulfilling life. I am so happy to have you here today, Kylie. How are you doing this morning? I am wonderful, and thank you so much for having me. I'm truly honored and so excited to get to connect with you. We have had the opportunity of speaking with one another at various events in Vancouver, which is where we're both from, and it's always such a pleasure to see you. I remember first hearing your story and thinking, wow, this girl is so wise. I don't want to say for your age, but kind of for your age. You <laughs> went through you went through some some challenging things at a young age. Can you update our audience and the listeners today a little bit about who you are and what you've been through and your journey so far? Yeah, my 20s. I've been reflecting on my 20s a lot lately since I'm coming up on the big 3-0. There's all these narratives around what your 20s should look like. And it's like, these are the best times of your lives and you're just having so much fun with your friends and all this stuff. And for me, I really look at that narrative and I'm like, I don't know about you, but my 20s were not at all (laughs) that. Don't get me wrong. There's pockets of goodness, but it is for sure a emotional black hole, just a passageway of really figuring out who I am and what I'm here to do on this planet. I'll start my journey around university time because that's when things started to really shift for me personally. This transition from going from my house, my family's home into this stage of adulthood you know, they say you're 18, you're an adult. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. But totally. I was in university and I started to get severe panic attacks about being an adult, being able to stand on my own two feet, just the capacity to really survive. It started to get really fearful about what that would look like for me. And I considered myself and still do a recovering perfectionist and people pleaser. So I was like, well, education, school, something I've always been good at. So I'm just going to stay in this route and do really good. And at that time I was pre-med. So I was really gung-ho on going to medical school until I started shadowing some physicians in the field and realized quickly that what I thought I wanted to do, which is actually just a mirror of what my father does. He's a surgeon. Wasn't actually what I really wanted to do. And that really scared me because I was like, well, that has been my script for the last... 10 years or so. And I didn't move in that direction because I couldn't separate the patient's pain from myself. Mm -hmm. And 
I didn't even realize what that was at the time. But now looking at it, it's like, I'm highly empathetic, I'm very sensitive to other people's emotions, their pain and all that stuff. And while boundaries are great and can support in the separation of that, it's still something I struggle with when I see people in pain. So I don't think surgeon was a good route for me. <laughs> I still no. strongly believe that it's not. <laughs> so with that being said, I kind of was spinning and I was extremely lost. And in those moments of my life, when I was extremely lost, I really latched onto relationships. That was my way to create security and certainty in my life. And if I had the relationship, then at least I had somebody else to depend on. And graduating from university, I was in a serious relationship with my now ex-husband. And that kind of distracted me from all of these other bigger questions around who am I? What do I want to be doing? And what's my purpose on this planet? It was just like, oh, I'm just going to opt for this script is graduate from university, get into a relationship, move in, get married, have the kids, have the dog, you know, all the things and everything will be okay. Because my core need during that time in my life was security. And I did not have it internally because I was so disconnected from myself. I now can see that I was on autopilot and just living out of conditioned loops. When I got married about, I was 22, something shifted as soon as I said I do. And it was really odd. I haven't really talked a lot about that because I think I'm still integrating a lot of my timeline, but it's hard to describe it, but it was almost like a a suppression of some sort, like a, a disconnect. I started to feel not in alignment with my true sense of self. And I think what was really going on there is I started to attach to the identity of wife, of of caretaker of the home, of whatever it was. And it it was keeping me further away from my true sense of self, which I had no clue what that was, but I could feel it. And of course, I just avoided that <laughs> and didn't ask any questions. How did you feel that shift? When you say, I felt a shift, what did it feel like? How did it show up? It was almost a disconnect from myself. So I think it was like a numbness. Mm. Or I guess I'll name it like as a depression, a deeper layer of repression or disconnection from self. And since I was living what quote unquote is the good life, checking all the boxes that I thought I needed to check in order to become happy, I quickly realized that those boxes, once they're checked, does not equate to happiness. And that really scared me because I was like, wait a second, here's everything I've been told I, I should want. And that should equate to happiness and fulfillment. But why am I so miserable? Why am I so depressed? I mean, I'm married to a good man and my ex-husband is an incredible human being. I'm part of great family systems and all this stuff. But the pressure of the question of what am I here to do and what's my purpose on this planet started to rise unlike anything I've ever experienced. I was in a constant existential crisis. And so about two years into the marriage, I kind of uh, fully just... <laughs> I don't recognize that human. It's very interesting to talk about because I felt so disconnected at that point in my life that it was just like, I didn't even know who I was. I was a shell of a being. And divorce at that time was not an option for me because you just don't get divorced in my family system or in society at large. It was just like, well, that's just not an option. So you figure it out. But me being, <laughs> I have the destroyer archetype in my <laughs> in my arsenal. So because I didn't see a way out, I pretty much destructed my marriage and found a way out. And 
through that process, I woke up to all of the internal scripts and narratives that have been operating and running my life for the last, at that time, 25 years. Coming face to face with that was the most terrifying time period of my life because I was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Who was running the show here? And it scared me because I I felt like for the first time ever, I was able to see above the person I was from like a observer perspective, from a bird's eye view. And that's when I really got serious about looking in the mirror and being like, okay, who are you? Because how you just showed up in this world was so outside of your character that you really need to do some internal work to figure out what's driving this car. Because at that time, it was so much shadow, so much repression, so much things that were unknown to me. And that scared me a lot. So I was like, okay, I fully commit to doing the work I need to do to figure out how I got here and how I never get back here again. And that's really just been my mission for the last five or so years is how can I, through my own healing journey start to peel back the layers of this human experiences and all of the defenses and strategies we have in order to protect ourselves, to reconnect with the essence of who we are so that we can align with that essence and potentially manifest that being into our human experience. So we're not numbing out, destructing and doing things that don't actually feel good or serve us in the long run. Mm. And it has been such a gift to watch you on this journey as you share bits and pieces of your experience through your social media page. And I think all of this that you've just said is so relatable to so many people. I mean, at the end of the day, we all have areas of our life where we are repressing things, where there's room to unpack, where there's internal work to be done, where we're destructive or sabotaging ourselves in certain ways. And I can certainly relate to that roller coaster ride of your 20s. I mean, I feel like social media paints your 20s as like you should be at Coachella and all the cool festivals and you're dating. Totally. Like now people in their 20s are going on like yachts in Europe. And what we don't see is the insane amounts of debt that so many people are carrying around in their 20s, the increasing rates of depression and anxiety and medication. And and that part just isn't shown. So it can make women in their 20s, in their 30s, feel like they're the only one who is going through this. So I love that you share so openly your own journey. And it it really, truly is such a gift to everyone. Mm, Thank you. I I think normalizing all of this is the most important thing we can do to support each other in moving forward out of the shadows or out of this place of repression or disconnection from self. Because if we are constantly comparing ourselves to that perfectionism or whatever that society standard or narrative is around what your 20s should look like, then we're going to disconnect, repress, and feel shame or guilt for feeling the way we do about our 20s or even wherever we are on this path when really it's all an invitation. Feel those feelings. That's real. That's normal. That's a part of this human experience, even though it doesn't always look like that on the highlight reel. Mm. And the more we repress those hard, challenging feelings, the more we repress the good ones too. I don't know if people know this out there, but you can't actually compartmentalize feelings and segment off. Okay, I'm not just, I'm just not going to feel angry. I'm just not going to feel sad. We also numb and cover the good feelings. So you're at this place, you've hit rock bottom in your marriage. Divorce isn't an option. 
you start to self-sabotage, you're destructing <laughs> the relationship. And I'm assuming, I mean, as we know, you ended up divorced. Where do you go from there? Where do you go when you're at the bottom of the dark hole and everything feels like it's falling apart? <laughs> I think there's only one place to go. And for me, that was completely surrendered. You know, when you try to control things and you're grasping and you're like, just using every piece of energy you have in order to maintain all of the protective strategies you've learned in order to stay safe. I always had one hand on that world and one hand on this unknown world because I really didn't know what it looked like. And in that rock bottom moment, I completely surrendered. I let go and was like, all right, I clearly don't know a damn thing about anything anymore. And I'm done trying to control this because this is killing me. And so in that release, it finally opened up. It's hard to say because it was so much grief, but it was also a relief. It was also a okay, <laughs> we're moving through something and I'm here for it. And that's what I did. I committed to feeling all of the pain I was trying to repress and I stopped controlling. I was trying to control everything because I didn't feel safe. And that's not my fault. You know, those are like strategies you learn really, really young, but it is my responsibility to see that those strategies are not serving me or anyone in my life. And that I have to do the internal work necessary in order to create a new foundation for myself. Because, And really, it was like an invitation to grow up. And I'm still growing up. And that is a, one of the hardest, I think, journeys on this planet is to nurture that inner child into a state of adulthood. And that's almost like emotional maturity. It's just like being able to reparent all of these parts of ourselves that are hurting or in pain or feel ashamed or feel rejected. And coming home to those parts and integrating them back into our adult experience so that we can live from a more conscious and aware space. But to do that, you have to surrender. You have to surrender to feeling all of the pain. You have to surrender to not knowing, of trusting. And that's hard to do, especially when you know the mind is like, you need to do all of these things in order to stay safe. Based off of all of the previous data we've we've organized, this is what you need to do. And it's a spiritual awakening and it's it's a truly a rebirth process and a complete evolution. So surrender, number one. And then I just, at that time, I made a commitment to not get into another relationship or do any traveling because I'm a, also a classic avoidant. I run from everything that doesn't feel good. So I made a commitment in those moments to not travel, to not run away from everything I was feeling and to completely trust wherever I was being pulled. And I got pulled in a lot of different directions in terms of healers and people on this planet. And I just continued to lean into that and trust, okay, this is where I'm supposed to go. This is what feels good. I have no clue what's going to come out of this, but here I am. Because at the, at the bottom, you have nowhere else to go. You just have to give up. You almost just surrender. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the difference between surrendering and letting go and allowing yourself to feel the feelings versus those moments when it is time to take action in order to pull yourself out of the sadness? For me, that line is so subjective in terms of like – 
when, what time is it to surrender? I think in those low moments when you're at rock bottom, it's more of a surrender of your ego of like, okay, I give up. Like I'm done trying to control. It's funny. I heard somebody say once is the light saved me when I was drowning, but darkness taught me how to swim. I completely jumped into so many spiritual concepts to, <laughs> to support me through my divorce and process all of the pain. But while that is part of that, like surrender, let it go, let it flow kind of mentality. I think there was a moment in my journey where it was like, okay, it's time to actually look at the darkness. It's time to actually feel the stuff and actually do something with it. And so I think there's action involved in surrender. I don't think they're exclusive. Surrender isn't just like, oh, this is just the way it is and feeling it all. It's it's listening too. It's acting on the pulls. It's letting go and trusting, like that's still an action, I think. So I would say that it's more of the trust piece mm. here. Mm -hmm. Trusting the direction that your life is headed, regardless of you know the future you're grieving and also the past you're grieving and really staying connected to the present moment and allowing yourself to open up to a new way of relating to yourself, but also to your future. Mm hmm. I love that. I love how you're saying that this concept of trust and surrender and of feeling your feelings, it's not passive. There is no. action in that. And so often I think people are saying, well, are you just telling me to be lazy and not go after my goals and not try and work to make <laughs> this right? But I keep having this image as you're talking of somebody grasping a log or a piece of wood at the top of a very quickly flowing river. And they're hanging on with everything that they have. And the surrender is that moment that you let go and you're flowing down the river. You still have to work to keep yourself afloat, you're but you're just moving in a different direction. You don't even know where that river is necessarily taking you, but it's just a shift in where you're putting your attention and the energy that you're using. So I, I mean, I love everything that you're saying here. It's, it is always so much easier to talk about than to do. The doing is the challenging part. It's the scary part. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L dot com slash Robbie Talks. Rules and restrictions may apply.
This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. I want to just push pause for a second to speak to a few people who are listening right now. If you are tuned in and you're someone who is struggling to feel comfortable in your body, let alone confident, if you are feeling exhausted by constant negative self-talk that is just yammering away in the background of your mind, If you feel like your relationship with food isn't super healthy and you're constantly on and off diets, trying to find something that works for you, not trusting your body anymore. If you're listening and thinking, I know I want more for my life. I know I want to feel healthier. I know I want to feel happier, but I just cannot seem to get there. I want you to know that I have been in that exact same spot too, and I understand how exhausting it is to live from that place. It literally robs you of the life that you deserve. I've spent the last 15 years on my own journey to healing my relationship with food, my body, and my self-worth. And along the journey, I found freedom from that battle with food and my body. I found a place of calm within and collected tools to support me when the going gets tough because life isn't linear and all rainbows and butterflies. We need tools and support to get through those tough patches. I'm so excited to announce and share with you for the first time that this September, we're launching our raw signature course where I will personally be teaching you the exact steps I used to get from where I was to where I currently am. So if you're listening to this and you're like, she was just talking to me, and then as soon as I mentioned course, all of a sudden a million excuses started coming up or you felt really nervous, that's totally normal. I would love it if you would click on the link in our profile to be added to our wait list. There is zero commitment. We'll just send you a little bit more information about the course as we get closer to the launch date. All right, beautiful. Let's get back to the show. Now, you spent time alone doing the work, seeing healers. Did you see a therapist? Give us some tactical pieces that got you through this part. How does it look to feel your feelings for you? Are you lying in bed in the dark all day? What does it look like? (laughs) It had so many different faces, let me tell you. Grief comes in waves, and it doesn't just come after the event. And I think that's something important to note is even in my new relationship, I still am healing 
and moving through pockets of grief from previous relationships or even just the timeline of my life in this container because it's what's being triggered in that moment where I might not have been ready to feel it in the past. I'm now ready to feel it or I'm open to feeling it now. But for me in those moments, reading and writing actually saved my life. And I do not say that lightly. I wrote and just wrote and wrote and wrote. That's all I did for a year was just write and read and explore and cry. And I'm a, I'm a pretty logical person. So for me at that time, what I knew to be true was that there was a bigger purpose for this all happening. And that's, if you can choose your beliefs, why don't you just choose one that feels good? And that one felt good. So I rolled with it. I was like, okay, if this is happening for a reason, then I'm going to surrender into that because that feels better than saying life is over and you're never going to, you know, so I cried a lot. You know, I had a lot of bathroom floor moments and that was necessary though for me to, to move through the journey. One of my friends said to me, he said, feel it all because that's the only way it'll be worth it. And I actually always say too, along this note is if you love your previous partner or, you know, that person, then doing the work is the testament to the love you shared after actually doing it so that you don't repeat the same patterns in your next relationship. So I utilized all of the pain as a catalyst to grow. Writing for sure was one of the main tools I used to release and process because I was really confused about life at that point. And because I was so disconnected from my emotions beforehand, I didn't have any emotional language. I didn't even know what emotions were really. Nobody had ever talked to me about emotions. I didn't really have a language to connect to my emotions. So I lived in my head and disconnected from my body. So during that time, it was like really trying to understand, okay, what are emotions? How do I name them in my experience? And kind of start to go and focus on that internal domain instead of focusing on everybody else in the external world. So that looked like writing. And then also I had a shaman I worked with in Sedona who was an incredible part of my healing journey. I did not work with a therapist after, you know, everyone has their own path, but I do think that a therapist or a psychotherapist, and I have worked with now a few more, are incredible allies to have in your corner when you're going through these big life transition moments. Yeah, for me, it was yoga, writing, and friends. A lot of the people in my life were truly the biggest allies on the healing journey. You know, people drop in after something happens and they say something and you're like, oh my gosh, that just healed this wound that was just like gaping wide open. I really allowed other people to see me during that time, the the people that I felt safe with. So I think sisterhood is very important tool for me also as well as to actually let other people hold me in those spaces. But yeah, if I had to really chalk it up to anything, it was definitely writing and reading. I love all of these tools, not only for challenging moments in relationships, but for anyone who's experiencing loss or grief. And that can be about anything from losing a person, a relationship, a dream job, a career choice, a child, whatever it is. There's a grief process that happens as we lose any of those things. And so everything Kylie's saying right now, I feel is so relatable to anyone who's gone through that has felt those big feelings. This is a conversation for you too. So now 
you are in a relationship with a man named Mark who also speaks about relationships. And can you tell us a little bit about learning how to trust love again after going through such a painful experience? Oh my gosh. Mark is my biggest teacher on this. One of the biggest teachers I've ever had on this planet. Trusting love again after getting your heart and mind blown open in the <laughs> in the process of divorce, but also even of just a breakup because it doesn't matter how long you're with somebody. It's the connection. And it's also the, I guess the catalyst or the invitation that that person and your connection is inviting into your life. So for me in beginning my relationship with, with Mark, I was terrified. Like, am I ready? Am I going to lose myself? I had so many fears around really opening my heart again because the last time I did, you know, it kind of didn't work for me. I mean, it did, of course, but you know what I mean? So one of the the main things that has supported me in really opening my heart again is actually talking about the truth and sharing all of the moments that I am afraid that I am uncertain, that I am unclear about, or even just afraid or have grief about. And it's in that emotional safety and honest place that I have been able to create a foundation of security. And really what that has looked like for me has been to Oh, changed so many different patterns and and the way I relate to people because in the past I was incredibly codependent and relied on my partner for pretty much all of my happiness, my financial security, my my stability, my happiness, and through the process of grieving and coming home to myself after my divorce, I was like, I am never losing myself again in relationship. Now, mind you, of course, I lost parts of myself in the very beginning of the relationship. I'm learning new strategies and skills. It's, my relationship with a market is a whole new way of relating that I've never experienced before. So it was in the very beginning, the commitment, though, to always reconnecting and having the hard conversations and sharing the emotions that I didn't feel comfortable in my previous relationships in doing, but now I have no other option, you know, where it's like you've learned too much where you can't actually self-abandon to a point of destruction again, because it's just not, at least that was my commitment to myself. It's like, you're never going to get to that place again. So you better lean in and have this courage to do things differently and to write a new story. So the fear is present. And I think the fear is present regardless in most relationships. It's just actually expressing that. And being okay with feeling that based off of your life experience of just naming those vulnerability limits and being like, hey, what I really want to do right now is run like hell, but I'm choosing to stay. And just saying that is what has created and continues to create a space of trust. So it's the commitment to continually leaning in and not going back to sleep, I guess, is the way I'll say it or of not falling back into old patterns just because they feel familiar and safe. And if I do fall into those, have compassion for myself, but at least start to bring those conversations forward and start to shift that pattern and that dynamic in your relationship. For me, a lot of it was having needs, having emotional needs. I had no clue what an emotional need was until I I met Mark. And 
I never had given myself permission to have emotional needs because I was pretty much, you know, the people pleaser as I need to make sure that everybody else's needs are met in order for them to like me. So that was a big invitation for me is if I can't trust myself to honor and express my own needs, how am I, how am I ever going to go deeper in a relationship? Mm. So tell me about emotional needs, because I feel like there's so many of us, especially as women who are so giving and people pleasers to the max, where do you begin in identifying your own emotional needs? There's this quote I love, and it says, under every frustration is an unmet emotional need. And so it's like we're fighting about, I don't know, something as simple as like the toilet seat being up or something like that. And it's like, it's never about the toilet seat. It's about an unmet (laughs) emotional need or some other deeper layer that needs to be addressed. And so it's getting curious. Okay, what do I actually need right now? Because how I'm responding in this pattern with my partner is not getting me anywhere. So I need to look at and identify what my emotional need is. And for me, that might be space. Like I just need some alone time to focus on what I need, or it could be, I need some self-care or I need to be considered on this decision. So there's a book called Nonviolent Communication. And in that book, there is a list of emotional needs as well as emotions and or feelings. So that book, kid you not, I carried that list around with me just so that I could start to expand my emotional vocabulary around emotional needs because I didn't even know what a need was. And so having that list around, it was like, oh, that's what it is. I need to be considered in this situation. And right now I don't feel considered. So what would that look like? It's naming it, like naming the story you're telling yourself about what's happening. And then it's connecting. Okay. How am I feeling in this moment? I might be feeling angry. I might be feeling sad, allowing that emotion to be present. And then it's like, okay, what what do I actually need? How can I shift the way this is playing out? And then it's, of course, having the conversation or sharing that need or meeting it for yourself, you know, depending on whatever the need is. Because our partners can't meet 100% of our needs. That's, that's unrealistic. But they can meet about 25 to, you know, 35% of our needs. And that's why diversifying our lives, where we're focusing on ourselves, we're focusing on our passions, and we have friends and other things outside of just the the relationship, we really start to create a more stable and sturdy foundation for ourselves, especially even in our relationships. And that was something I was deeply lacking in previous relationships. It was just like, he was my life. And now it's like, I have a relationship and I have so much more. Brilliant. Such a brilliant, brilliant tool. On your Instagram, you often talk about how our relationships are the biggest classroom on the planet. Biggest classroom on the planet. So true. I want to get your thoughts on friendships and sisterhood. You mentioned it briefly because I think this is so, so important for women. And as we are becoming more and more connected on social media, We're also learning that people are feeling actually lonelier and lonelier. So tell me a little bit about your relationship to girlfriends, how to build up that sisterhood and how to show up in friendships in a really soulful, fulfilling way. I have an identical twin sister. So I feel like my life journey when it comes to sisterhood is such a very, is so unique. Obviously all of ours are unique, but 
because I had an identical twin sister and a built-in best friend my whole life, I really relied on just that core relationship for sisterhood and didn't really focus or celebrate sisterhood. There's so many ways I can tell this story, but a lot of my growth in the last couple of years has been healing my wounds with the feminine and with women around how we relate and the type of sisterhood or friendship I am looking to create. Because in the past, there had been wounding around the way women have treated me, the way women have come on to my ex-husband. Like There was so much built up around not trusting other women that I had a lot of stuff in the way of cultivating sisterhood. And I knew that in order for me to get to the next level in my evolution or growth, that I needed to heal and heal the wounds I have with women, but also cultivate a deeper level of sisterhood and connection in my life in order to heal the wounds I have with the feminine. Two years ago, I made a commitment to really cultivate sisterhood. And I started with one person who's one of my closest girlfriends on this planet. And I just started sharing and opening up and creating safety around that core relationship I had with her. And it started to reprogram and recode how I related to other women outside of just my twin sister. So that has been the greatest gift I've ever given myself is really allowing women to see me, to hold me, and to nurture me in ways that men can't. Truly, a woman can understand a woman's experience because she's also a woman. And right now, I think in this day and age, what women need more than anything is more women, is more sisterhood, is more connection, and is more safe spaces to be heard, to be witnessed, to be held, and to be really deeply seen. It heals stuff that only I I believe a woman can heal. And one of my girlfriends, she said to me, she said, we've really been surrogate mothers for each other. And I started to really reflect on that because it's true. She's really been that archetype of the all-loving, all-nurturing, unconditionally loving mother that my little girl inside still needed and still wanted and still craved. And in allowing her to, to hold that space, a lot of grief and healing has taken place. So I think for women, reaching out and finding those safe spaces and allowing yourself to have real honest conversations about what's really going on in your life with the people who can hold that, of course, they have to earn it like Brene Brown says. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It really, really is. And I know that there's a lot of people out there who feel that that area of their life is maybe lacking a little bit or or more so that they're inspired and wanting and craving those relationships, but they're not sure how to build them. So I love what you said, just starting with one person, practicing building those relationships, having those conversations, building up the trust again, so that you are coming at other women and into places and living from a space where you have this newfound understanding and and so that you're open to meeting women and then they will start showing up in your life and all of that will come about just as you're expecting and hoping. Another thing that you say on social media that I was reading that I absolutely loved, you had a quote from one of your mentors who said, Kylie, you are being called to change out the glass 
to use your face, not as a mirror, but as a window. And I just got this like, full goosebumps all over my body. I'm going to read that one more time. You are being called to change out the glass, to use your face, not as a mirror, but as a window. It is such a great analogy for how we can start to show up in relationships from a place of self-love and honoring us as a unique individual. Tell me a little bit about your experience with this. Oh my gosh. I am one of those people that never wants to hurt anybody. I think it's one of my good qualities, but it's also can be obviously without boundaries and an and the honoring of self, the most detrimental patterns, I guess, swallowed up in. And I think around that too is like, what is it about other people's pain or what is it about my own pain that I still can't hold of upsetting people, of saying no, of of really not going along with their story in order for them to <laughs> feel good about themselves. Like I remember just a couple of weeks ago, I was having dinner with somebody and one of the gentlemen was talking about Oh gosh, I don't even remember. I'm not even going to recall. But, and I remember leaving being like, wow, you totally repressed your truth. You totally went along with what he was saying in order not to rock the boat or not to challenge. And I think that this quote is really asking, or like this invitation is really asking me to stop going along with it, to stop not rocking the boat and to start actually speaking up in a bigger way about the things I truly believe in. It's terrifying because our core human need is belonging. So you're going against biology, you're going against all the survival biology we have in our in our lives. And so this is not just a, you know, 100% just speak truth everywhere you go. Like, of course, yeah, that, that would be great. But there's also this need for connection and for belonging. So it's a balance, right, Erin? Like, you're not just going to go disrupt every single relationship and start calling out everybody, you know, <laughs> no. because you, you want, you just want to be a, a look like a piece of glass. But it is, it definitely is an invitation to start speaking up and to start changing that mirror out for glass instead. And when she said that to me, I was like, oh gosh. I was like, <laughs> I know, I know that's the invitation right now, but geez, it's just so comfortable to not rock the boat. Yes. But the world, we it needs some rocking. Oh, I was, it needs rocking now more than ever with the shifts in our environment and consumerism and health and mental health. It is, it is the time to rock the boat. And I think that is what you're doing by showing up every day so open and honest in your truth. I think that you are just one of the most beautiful people inside and out. And I honor you in your journey to show up exactly as you are and hope that you continue to do so because you really are changing the world. Mm, I want to ask you one final question. (laughs) If you could leave our listeners, or women of the world as a whole, with one final message, what would that be? We are worthy. You know, there's so much of this female inferiority complex happening on the planet right now as we climb out of this patriarchal system from religion to just media that, you know, all of it is just stories. The truth is we are born worthy and it's our birthright. And also it's our invitation to start living in alignment with that because this world needs us to, to be aligned with our worth and to reclaim our voices, our power, 
our emotions and our desires so that we can come together and create a world that that feels good, hopefully. <laughs> yes, absolutely. With women like you leading the charge, I think it's totally possible. One last question. Where can everyone find you if they are looking to connect? You're obviously on Instagram. The handle is at being is beautiful. Where else can they find you? Yeah, th- that's the, really the best place to find me is at being is beautiful or over on at Zura Health, where I get to have lovely conversations with beautiful people who are also doing this work. So yeah, those are the best places. But Aaron, it's truly been such a joy connecting with you. Thank you so much for all the work you're doing in this world. I feel incredibly blessed and inspired to continue this work surrounded by women like you. So thank you. Thank you so much. You're so, so sweet. All right, everyone. Text your best friend. Send them this episode. Let them know that you love them and speak your truth. You are so, so worthy of it. That is it for this episode, but be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single show. If you like this episode, please take a moment to leave a review. Take a screenshot and share it on social, tagging at Raw Beauty Talks. We'll be regramming your posts every week. And as we wrap this up, remember... Your body is different than any other body out there. So as you listen to these episodes, keep tuning back inward to see what resonates. We'll see you next episode. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com listen or on your favorite podcast platform.